0: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast that aims to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute, and a wide array of F1 subject matter experts that cover every aspect of F1 from racing, politics, tech, news and business. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners-Ready. Thanks to Sparkles and the crew for doing a news show. I would have loved to have been on it. But until I can make this audio production stuff my full-time job, I have a hard time convincing the wife that three podcasts in three nights is entirely necessary. Now, I'm joined by a man beholden to no one who can fly around the world and podcast any time he likes, the inexorable Joe Sayward. How's it going, Joe?
3: I think my wife might disagree with you on part of that last speech, but yes, I'm very well, thank you. I have been travelling rather a lot of late, and my sleep patterns are totally bizarre. But apart from that, everything's fine.
2: I used to travel a lot. Do you find that when you go home, you're like an inconvenient guest in your own house?
3: Yes, I rec- I recognize that. But the, I, I also have strange hours because I have to work as well. And so I just had four days with my granddaughter, which meant that the daytimes were spent working with my granddaughter and the nights were spent working on on things that make money. So it was all very complicated. And I'm a little bit confused vis-a-vis time zones, but what the hell?
2: I like it when you confidently try to teach a young kid mathematics or something like that, assuming that you will definitely understand it as an adult. Then you go to do it and realise you don't remember anything.
3: Well, two and a half's a little young for that at the moment, but um, I can recognise a zebra's bottom at the moment, which is pretty good. So there you are. We yeah. went to a safari park. It was jolly fun.
2: Joe, is it true that you're doing an end-of-season audience with Joe in London featuring podcast sensation Spanners Ready? Uh, it's always possible if you turn <laughs> up, yeah. Oh, of course, if you pay for the ticket, you oh. know. <laughs> do I really not qualify for mates rates yet, Joe?
3: No, you do. You're allowed in. Yay!
2: So where is that then? So is it set up the normal thing you do
3: in Grand Prix, except you're bringing it to London? Well, I've had, I have it in London for the last few years in Knightsbridge because it's nice and central, and, um, and it's a good venue. And um, basically, yeah, I moved it to December this year because I couldn't do it in July because they had the F1 live show, mm-hmm. um, which was on the same day I was going to do it because of the Austrian Grand Prix being back-to-back with Silverstone. I couldn't actually do both. So... Um, in the end, I thought, well, I'm going to lose against F1 Live. So I, uh, I cancelled it. And uh, so we're having one in December and hopefully loads of fans will turn up and see. It's London- a bit like this, but uh, you can actually ask me direct questions and I could be very rude about people without anyone knowing.
2: <laughs> yes, the bits that get cut out of the live stream, you mean, Joe? I don't know. I couldn't possibly comment on what you do to my words. Get here early, guys. Top tip. Get here early. Uh, but surely the
3: London ones uh, are well populated because of the big F1 fan base. Yeah, it should be. Um, they usually are pretty good. Um, it's still a ways to go to beat the biggest one, which is Melbourne. I have, I have more fans in Melbourne than I do in London, apparently. Maybe because everything's upside down down there. Who knows? But uh, I also have a lot of fans in Canada. So they're the two biggest ones at the moment. London's pretty good, though. Um, and usually we do two a year, which makes it a bit uh, a bit different. So we'll see. I'd like to have a full house if possible. Uh, James Funnel in the chat rooms just,
2: you know, asking for details. Basically, you know, you're talking. There's Q and A. There's food. There's drinks. Yep.
3: There's food. There's drink. There's there's uh, Q and A. And basically, you ask questions. Whatever you want to ask about, I answer. And the more I drink, the better it gets. Excellent. Unlike this podcast, for me, that is. I, just, <laughs> uh, I haven't. Hang on. Where's my booze? Uh, I've got. I've got some pills never mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely hardcore. Joe, um I'm noticing I was expecting to get on this Adriel, Skype call. That's
3: really hardcore, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was expecting to get on this Skype call to see you in some exotic South American hotel room, but there you are back at home in between
3: in between these Grand Prix. Well, I've got to go home occasionally. I mean, for the last 2 months, um no, the last 6 weeks we've been away quite a lot. So, um I try to maximise the time. So I'm leaving on uh, tomorrow night. No, not tomorrow night. Uh, Wednesday, I fly out. I'll arrive there Thursday morning and go straight into action. Um, and I won't get home again until the following Tuesday. So it's, you know, it's by the time you add in all the travelling, it takes a, it takes a lot of time. And uh, how, how do you find Brazil then? Because I
2: imagine it's just a full on carnival. Uh, you have to bring your feather boa and bikini just to get let in.
3: Yeah, I think you might have a slightly dubious view of Brazil. Brazil's really? more about gunfights and pollution, you know, but um and, and let's face it, I mean any Brazilians out there would agree with me probably. I mean, most of the government seems to be in jail at any given time. Um and it's uh, it's all a bit of a mess at the moment and I'm not sure the future of for Formula 1 in Brazil is very is very certain, particularly with Felipe retiring. Um we have a TV show, which is very important for Formula 1. Uh, but the Grand Prix is not by any means certain after the end of 2020. But it feels like
2: they're always saying that the Brazilian Grand Prix is in danger, though. But I guess a lack of a Brazilian driver—is this the first time in? Oh, and how long that we haven't had one?
3: Uh, in a lifetime, nearly. It's it's forty something years since there wasn't a Brazilian driver. Have you got any clue as to why that is? Is it a problem with it's kids coming? It's to do up? with it's to do with kids coming up. It's to do with money. It's to do with lots of the problems that Brazil has. Um, you know, the rich kids are going – there's a bit of a lack of a domestic uh, racing scene. That's changed a lot. A lot of the kids are going to America, and they therefore continue um, going up through the American system. Uh, much, Many fewer nowadays are going to Europe than used to go to Europe. So there's lots of different reasons. Um, and also the Internet has come along, and there's lots of different things happening in the world. Yeah, um, online And poker. racing drivers oh, are not yeah. are not the national heroes they used to be. I know? was going to ask, is, is, do you think they've been hurt then?
2: Because obviously you had your Senna's and things, but Barrichello and, and Massa, I mean, they've had long periods
3: playing second fig- fiddle at, for, for other drivers. Has that hurt? Well, I think if you look at the, the long history, you go back to, I think the last time we didn't have one was pre-Emerson Fittipaldi, which is probably 1970-odd. I think maybe 69. Um, Then we had we had Nelson. We had sorry. We had Emerson. But then we had Nelson PK. Then we had Senna. And after Senna, we had Barrichello. We had Massa. Um, And there were many others as well in between. But right now, there are no stars emerging. Felipe Naza is a good driver, but there was no money for him. So um, you know, really, he should be talked about in in relation to a driver Williams, but he's not being talked about because he's got no money. Yeah, well, maybe when Massa announces
2: his own retirement at the beginning of next season, that will give the Brazilian Grand Prix a boost. I doubt it.
3: I think this one's a, a, a final one, <coughs> sadly, because he's a jolly fine fellow.
2: And I think he never stood a chance, really, of keeping that place, did he? Despite all the, the 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 boisterous sort of doing down of his potential rivals and 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 such.
3: I think if you look at drivers over the age of thirty five, uh, just look at Kimi Raikkonen. You know, you get to an age where things begin to slow down. Fernando's being beaten on occasion these days by um, Stoffel van Dorn, You know, one gets a different uh, appreciation of life after a certain age. um, And you don't have the same sort of lunatic uh, one one focus that you have when you're 19 we're all you know we all know exactly what we want we all know this we all know that as you get older you learn more about life and you go hmm maybe i just don't want to drive into that wall at 200 miles an hour you know yeah um and so i mean fernando is still fairly lively but but generally speaking you know you lose you lose a 10th here and a 10th there as you get older which is why there are very few racing drivers who go over the age of 40
2: at thirty six, uh, Joe, I feel like I've lost more than a more than a tenth or two in every every portion, especially out on the road with my trainers on.
3: Well, I'll take your word for it, but um, believe me, I'm still going on all cylinders, and I'm fifty something. So there we are. You are a hype train. You are a hype
2: train. You are a steam train, Joe. Uh, look, I am. <laughs> Is it
3: coming out of my ears? <laughs> Do you know what? Not every segue goes as well as you want it to go. <laughs> okay, that was a crash and burn, i got to tell you. So never mind. Can't win a all.
2: Ah, more. well, I'll have to, Sky Sports will have to wait. But Joe, the end of the season has, in many respects, come early. Hamilton's done it. He's the four-time world champion. If you'd have looked around Hungary time, around Silverstone time, would not have imagined we'd have wrapped it up with three races to go. But there is a British four-time world champion.
3: Yes, there is. And he deserves it completely. And... The only thing you can say is that Ferrari committed suicide, really. Um, not just the team. Actually, it was more the driver than the team. If you if you add up the points that Sebastian Vettel lost in the various races where he uh, blew gaskets and wobblies and all the rest of it, um, I think he's probably more responsible for losing than the team. I mean, the team has has had a number of mechanical failures and such things. Um and they haven't helped. But, you know, the collision in Singapore, that mess in Baku, uh even last week in it was last week, wasn't it, in Mexico. Um that was that was entirely Vettel's fault. Oh, I, I have agree. no I have no idea why he wasn't punished apart from the fact because uh, he he ruined Hamilton's race. Now uh normally if there was some consistency in the decision making uh he would have faced some sort of punishment there's been this sort of move towards um trying to let them race and not punish everybody but i thought that was you know it was just it wasn't deliberate but it wasn't it was messy it wasn't it was messy exactly yeah Uh, But in the past, drivers have been punished for much less than that. So we have to find a way of of making things sensible. I agree with the let them race theory. But at the same time, you know, you've got to have a point at which you say you can no longer compare what we're doing now to what's happened in the past. Um, And nobody said that. So we're comparing what's happened now. And we're going, well, hang on a minute. How in the world does Vettel driving into the back of Hamilton, giving Hamilton a puncture and getting away with nothing, how does that work? Why is that fair? And the answer is it's not fair and it's not right, but that seems to be the new theory. Just, you know, It's a communication problem more than anything else, I think.
2: Yeah, and they seem to try and dish out the penalties based in context. So you feel like if that had happened down the back of the pack or on the third lap rather than the first lap with the championship contenders, there might have been a different result. You almost want, want to find a way to paint the cars out black on the video and say to the stewards, just look at this incident in isolation, not the consequence, mm. just what happened and make your decision there.
3: Now, I think there's a little bit of, um, just a little bit of, uh, reaction in Mexico to what happened in Austin. In Austin, we had this decision, which was right. And at the same time was wrong, which is Verstappen drives an absolutely blinding second half of the race comes in, takes Kimi, at the last, on the last lap, literally a few corners from home, and then has it removed because he had four corner, you know, four mm. wheels off over a white line. Okay, the rules say that you're not allowed to do that. Uh, how much did he gain from it? Almost nothing. Um, but what it did was it destroyed the spectacle. Now, I, I'm not saying that I condemn the FIA stewards for that because uh, I understand why it was done. And it, in a way, it's right. But at the same time, I don't think you should destroy the show. So we need to find the right balance. And track limits is the problem. It's actually the limit, not the the stewards who are the problem. I thought the um, the reaction uh, against the stewards um, was a little bit harsh because all they were doing was, was following the rules, which is what they're supposed to do. The, the question is, are the rules right? And um, the other thing, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about um, we should have single stewards. What people don't understand, unless you know the system, is that the stewards are not a bunch of sort of wombling, blazer-wearing drunkards who wander in. <laughs> They're just Bernie's so, mates, Joe. Well, it's got nothing to do with Bernie. That's what uh, in fact, say. If anything, they are not Bernie's mates. They are the FIA types. Um, but they are there are four of them who do all, who do uh, five races or whatever it is uh, a year. So that you have the, the the chairman. So they are regularly involved. They know what's going on. The secondary stewards, most of them do more than one race a year. You have the national stewards, um, which is one vote in a panel of of four, uh, and you have the driver stewards. Now they're important because they obviously make decisions based on how a driver feels. But you also, in that respect, they have a, a group of them and. I think all but one of them are multiple annual stewards. And if I'm not even sure this year, if the, I'm not sure if we've had any single race stewards this year at all. So you've got to understand that um, these people know what they're doing. They all understand the rules. I've seen people say, how can you know, X somebody arrive in just one race a year and know the rules? But these guys are all uh, pretty good at it. And I think they do an excellent job. Now, Where they're let down is they have to uphold the rules, and the rules are the problem. So, uh, However, to go back to the original point, I think in Mexico there was a certain amount of reaction because of all the controversy after Austin. I think they were a little bit loath to Mm. punish Vettel because it might disrupt the championship, and they didn't want to get into the firing line as a result of that. And so they applied this the argument that let them race, which is what had been agreed. Um, and I think that that then, then it comes back on them saying, well, hang on a minute. Well, why wasn't there a punishment? But Vettel, no, Vettel did something that was wrong. I didn't say, I'm not saying he was deliberate because I don't think it was. I just think it was, it was out of control. The, The thing is he'd hit, he'd hit Max and then he hit Lewis and Lewis was the guy who suffered. Max didn't suffer anything. Vettel suffered what he deserved. Um, Perhaps he deserved more. I think he, a five-second penalty would have made it a bit better um, because, you know, as it was, Lewis was way behind him on the track because he lost more having to drive round to the pits on that first lap.
2: I think you could... Uh, make the analogy with poker that Vettel was on tilt and when you lose a hand that you wanted to win like his early battle with Verstappen and Verstappen getting around the outside and getting the better of him the next hand you're you're playing with far more emotion and far more desperation so when he saw that Hamilton did that incredible cutback on turn two he suddenly finds himself not second but third and he starts increasing the stakes and playing increasingly desperately. And he was clearly out of control as he careered into the back of Hamilton. But isn't that kind of a bit of a feature of how Vettel's been racing all season? He's, he seemed increasingly desperate in his driving, out of the cockpit, cool as a cucumber. But in, in the car, he's just seemed
3: rash in a way that we perhaps haven't seen before. No, we've seen it before. He has this petulant streak in his personality. Um And... He hasn't, it hasn't gone away yet. I mean, he's still relatively young. He's not, he's not very young. Uh, anymore. 29, 30. Yeah. Uh, I, to be honest, yeah. I'd, I'd have to look it up, but you know, he's getting, he's getting to an age where he shouldn't be doing this sort of stuff anymore. But I think it's also because he's got away with it in the past. And, you know, in, in Baku, he gets invited round for tea and cakes by John Todd and told he's a naughty boy. And <laughs> frankly, you know, he's hardly quaking in his, in his tods, is he?
2: No. Um, Kel Shiz uh says I think it would have been more to do with the situation in the championship, referring to why he didn't get punished. Uh, James is saying it's Ferrari International Assistance, as often quoted. And Christopher Fonseca is just asking Joe, do you believe that there is some Ferrari favoritism from the student stewards? I-, I would put it another way and say, is there any air of cautiousness or intimidation towards Ferrari?
3: No, I don't think there's any of that rubbish. I think I think that um. In the past, a long time ago now, Um, Ferrari has been, um, well, I would say they look on them favorably, but they they make allowances, perhaps, because Ferrari's always, as we know this week, Ferrari's always banging on about how special it is, and frankly, I'm fed up with that. Because Ferrari is special, yes, but it's not special enough to get an unfair advantage, which it has. And, you know, and I think I wrote somewhere, I definitely wrote somewhere in the last few days, you know, Ferrari is like a boxer that insists on its opponents having one arm tied behind its back. And th- seems to think that it's therefore a genius when it wins. You know, it's not. And the fact is it's not winning either because the, the other bloke's headbutting them as well. So, you know, the fact is that Ferrari's had all these advantages and still can't win. So I'm afraid that, you know, saying we're going to quit. Well, go and do it. Stop and get out in there and do it. If you're going to leave, leave. Oh, and okay. otherwise fight a fair game with fair numbers. Oh, wh- why should they get 70 million more than everybody else? Why? They already get more money from everybody else because of merchandising, because of what they are, who they are. They should not be given $70 million more by the sport just for being Ferrari. It's wrong. And the, the, the teams will never, ever work together for the good of the sport as long as Ferrari has a veto and it has all this extra money. It doesn't deserve it. So um, NS2589 saying Vettel
2: is 30. So that settles that one. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Kelsch again. Vettel reminds me of a pe- petulant child. Christopher Fonseca has usefully given me the time stamp to
3: beep what you just said there, Joe. <laughs> and they're also saying that. Well, I hope you don't beep it because that has to be said. Sometimes these things have to be said. So,
2: Safe work. Safe work, kids. Don't worry. I promised you. Oh, did I, I say,
3: did I say rude word? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, no, no, I'm I, not I, just
2: going to beep the entire sentence. Just just that one thing. That's fine. Okay. Don't worry, Joe. You're an enigma wrapped in a twisty twirl lollipop. Um, but uh, this comes back to the fact that Ferrari have obviously made a lot of noises that they're going to quit. Um, this seems like a sign that perhaps the honeymoon with Liberty Media is over. Um, and now there's, there's two facets to this. There's One is the reaction of the The team bosses in general and then Ferraris being particularly extreme so firstly I mean no one's really meaning that they're going to leave the sport are they surely this is all just bargaining to make sure that these proposals get watered down into something more favourable for each particular camp
3: that would be normally be the way of looking at them but at the same time there is a fundamental uh, question which is why should anybody get an advantage it doesn't matter if they wear silver or red it doesn't matter. You know, Ferrari complained that we're only a small company alongside Renault. We're only a small company alongside Mercedes. Well, they don't give any, any leeway because uh, Sauber's a small company alongside Ferrari. You know, play the game. It's a game. We're supposed to play the game fairly. If you want to play the game, play the game straight and win. If you're any good at it, win. If you're frightened of losing, and if you can't, if you can't beat somebody who's got 70 million less than you have, you're pretty damn useless so get on with it get it sorted and stop whining about it. if you want to leave leave because what are you going to do that's the other thing ferrari is a listed company it's on the the new york stock exchange it's on the milan stock exchange formula one is its marketing policy if it leaves it has to pay for a new marketing policy and if you're a ferrari shareholder you're going to get pissed off sorry you're going to get annoyed too late if you just did it (laughs) (laughs) come on joe play the
2: game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Carry on. Of course, yes. If you're the shareholder, you
3: will, you will say, "Well, hang on a minute. I want, I want my dividends. I don't want you spending money on marketing, because who the hell is going to watch a Ferrari driving around in WEC against some genettas?" You know, let's face it. As who's well, going if, to watch? If people think Ferrari get an advantage now, why would they want to enter a series where Ferrari make all the rules? Well, that's an interesting argument, isn't it? But, I mean, you know, the fact is that they have nowhere to go. They can't go IndyCar racing because the cars are built by Dallara, not by Ferrari. Therefore, it's irrelevant. They can't go to NASCAR because that's not cool, is it, in the Ferrari terms. You know, they can't go anywhere. So the only place they can go is WEC. They're in GT race, and they won the championship yesterday in GTs, but... How many people in the world know that? You've I had got no advertise. idea. I had no idea. Exactly. James Collado, Sam Burden, two Italians who I can't remember, um, won the championship yesterday in Shanghai, and who knows? Felix Bowen
2: is asking, uh, Marchione is apparently lawyering up because of some alleged mega fraud. Uh, how will that affect Ferrari's position, if at all?
3: Is there anything you know about, Joe? I know nothing about mega frauds. Uh, it's probably... Highly unlikely if he's stupid enough to have done that, he deserves what he gets, but I doubt he has because he's a clever man. Uh, <laughs> he's not, he, he seems to have a bit. It would be very interesting in Formula One terms to see what happens because um, we're going into a situation where logic says they just button down and, and do the same as everybody else, and ego says we're Ferrari. So, I mean, it would be inter- interesting to see if his ego. Uh, overcomes his brain, which is entirely possible. It happens a lot in racing.
2: I get shouted down in our podcast WhatsApp group a lot because I am of the opinion that F1 has made Ferrari and Ferrari needs Formula 1 more than
3: Formula 1 needs Ferrari. So a world now, I, without I, Ferrari. I disagree with that. I think that they need each other as much. So the point is that if Ferrari wants to throw itself on the bonfire and do a Guy forks, that's fine. <clears throat> but they they need to understand that they don't deserve any extra benefits because they don't give anything that they don't already get rewards for they get reward for being around the championship for a long time by all the merchandise that people who can't afford to buy ferrari cars buy because they want to think that one day they'll be able to buy a ferrari it's all about it's all about the aspiration of success everyone dreams of being successful and apparently if you're successful you have to go and buy a ferrari if I ever get successful, I shall not be buying a Ferrari. I'll buy an Aston Martin like a gentleman does. But <laughs> get an Alpha. If I, but don't be silly. There are limits, um, you know. But there's a kind of there's a kind you, you know, and I know, and you're not allowed to say it out loud. I, I wrote it the other day and got into terrible trouble. But you know, people with gold chains and loads of money. <laughs> Um, when they when they make that sort of money, they go buy a Ferrari. It's the first thing they do because they want to be noticed as they drive down the road. You know, People don't buy Ferraris to go incognito, do they? Are you describing people of new money, Joe? Is that what you're doing? I think the term nouveau riche may leap to mind. There is also a lovely expression called arriviste, which is, I think, French. They might use it in English too. I honestly don't know anymore. But arriviste is a good one. You know I don't basic- speak Spanish, Joe. Well, I can't help you. <laughs> is that Spanish or Catalan anyway nowadays? Who can tell? Not wading in there. Uh, Corku
2: <laughs> says, Joe Say- would equals passion. Dom says, go on, Joe, let rip. Ignore nanny spanners. Uh, here we go. Good on Joe for the Aston, says NS. And Ray Parker suggests you've probably got an old Triumph locked away somewhere.
3: Oh, yeah, right. I can afford an old Triumph. No, I can't. I I just drive an old box Toyota, which is I'm very happy with. People get a really bizarre idea about how much money Formula One journalists earn. They all think we drive around with Ferraris and have sort of 17 year old bimbo sitting in the front seat with us. You know, it's not like that, folks. Bad news. Sorry. Have you been spying on my Joe Saywood fan art scrapbook? I have no idea. But I, if you can find a, a Formula One journalist who you. Uh, There are some photographers who have Ferraris. Uh, I can't think of any journalists who've got anything fancy unless they were born with money. And some of them were because otherwise they wouldn't be in the business. Okay, so um,
2: careful driver in our Slack group eh, wants to know if you have any insight of Bernie getting involved behind the scenes. I think this is in relation to a possible breakaway alternative series. Is he allowed to do it? And would he have been forced to write have a, a non-compete clause when he was on his way out of, uh, of F1?
3: Bernie has a little muppet who he plays with. He pulls the strings and the little muppet goes, ee, 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 and writes articles. Um, so whatever Bernie wants to be written <laughs> gets written. And it'll- this is
2: Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: Appears in the papers because everyone copies it because that's how the internet is. It doesn't mean there's any truth in it. Bernie Ecclestone is 87 years old. 87 years old. I'll say that again. Don't be ages, Joe. Queen's 91. She's mega. Yes, I know, but she's not planning a racing series, is she? (laughs) Bernie Ecclestone has had his day. He's made a pile of money. He's caused lots of people, lots of trouble. And now if he's smart, he'll go away. But the thing is, he doesn't know what else to do. So he just come. he keeps trying to cause trouble and they've cut him out. Basically the Formula One group have said, go away, leave us alone. We don't need you here. Now he's got a chance because Ferrari have said something for Bernie to get a few headlines because old Muppet brains comes in and does the routine again. And, you know, that's what happens. So, we, you know, as soon as Bernie falls off his perch, Muppet will fall with him. But as long as that's still there, unfortunately, we have to put up with this rubbish.
2: Remind me to ask you who, who Muppet is at some point.
3: No, I'm sure you can work it out. I can't. I'm not smart at all. Everybody
2: else, you work it out and message me at SpannersReady or SpannersReady at com. Joe, uh, the chat room is saying uh, someone here was going to go and buy some stuff from the supermarket. But they were waiting for this to become less interesting, and it hasn't. And I have to say, this is exactly the kind of insight we were hoping to get when you first said you would come on our little podcast. So, first of all, thank you for continuing to come to our little shed, Joe. What can I say? And of course, people can go and read your your blogs at uh, Joe Sayward dot com. Still rocking the or, WordPress or, or URL, even Joe
3: Blogs F One.
2: Joe Blogs F One, where you with, um,
3: with one G, of course.
2: Mm-hmm. And that, guys, is also a pun because Joe Bloggs is sometimes used to describe an anonymous person. Worked that out myself.
3: Very impressive. I could. I, I should really get John JohnDoe.com as well, shouldn't I, for the American audience, I suppose. Just finish it off.
2: Ryan Brignoll is assuring me with these engine regulations that it will be worthwhile asking you what you think about Horner constantly whining about the V6s because
3: he would love to hear your response to that. Well I think Christian's just sort of be I don't know what he's doing to be honest. Listen, the <laughs> engines, the engine rules that are coming suit him. Okay? So why he's banging on about wanting to have big noisy bloody bloody blah is beyond me. Um, you know, the fact is they're going to raise the rev limit of the new engines to 18,000. So they'll make a decent noise more than they are now. Um, the only question is really how the fuel is going to be used to afford that noise. Um And maybe that's a good thing because what we're really after in the world is efficiency. So maybe if they can make that noise and have efficiency, we'll have a good result. But I, I, you know, maybe that's what Christian thinks should happen. But the reality is it can't happen because it would be retrograde. Lance Lassen, Joe is even more entertaining on the live feed than
2: on the podcast, if that's possible. All right, enough of the Joe love. There's two of us on this stream, you know.
3: Well, listen, you can come to the audience and see me really live. You can even, well, you can't touch me because I get a bit, fr- you know. If people keep touching me, I have to smack them, you know. So, <laughs> um, I, I love you know, that it's if people keep touching you. So the first few will go without comment, but then eventually, it depends who they are, it depends what they look like, you know. So, I mean, you know, otherwise, it's sexual harassment, isn't it, or whatever, you know. Have I I said the wrong thing again? (laughs) I don't know. What a show. This is fantastic.
2: Uh, All right. Since we're at Red Bull, since we're at Red Bull, I want to ask you about the... Well, we are. We were talking about Christian Horner. We are metaphorically at Red Bull. We are, of course, actually physically in my shed. Believe it. It's true. Uh, We are at Red Bull.
3: I'm in Paris. No, dude. You're ruining it. Uh, Oh, sorry. They
2: have two very talented drivers, but the guy who's grabbing all the headlines at the moment on a charge is Max Verstappen definitely getting the better of his uh, teammate Daniel Ricciardo who is to be fair making absolutely no excuses and just saying Max is doing an excellent job. Max almost overshadowed the world championship with that performance with that dominant performance. Is there anyone left who's not on the Max Verstappen hype train? Surely he's the next contender.
3: Well of course he is but you know he's got to have the right car but the fact that he's signed for Red Bull It's really interesting because nobody saw that one coming. Mercedes didn't see it coming. Ferrari didn't see it coming. Red Bull, I don't think, even saw it coming. It's just a question of, he said, I'm staying with you guys. Get it sorted. We'll go win championships together. Now, why he's done that, there's an awful lot of um, dollar signs, I think, that have helped on that one. And apparently, his new deal is massive. Um, Right up there with Lewis's last deal, but Lewis is about to get a new deal, which will push that the envelope even further. So um, I think that uh, Max has decided probably he doesn't want to be – he's probably figured that Vettel and Hamilton be there for a few more years and Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to be second fiddle or even have to go in against them because somebody – if you go in against them, I'm not saying that Max wouldn't necessarily beat the other guys – but just having to deal with the politics is—you're better off being number one in your own team, in effect. And so I think that's what he's decided upon. And I think he's said to himself, "Right, you know, we're going to go do this until 2020. In 2021, I think we'll see Red Bull with a, as I've said many times, with an Aston Martin engine, um, which will be built by uh, Cosworth and Aston Martin together. And I think we'll see uh, with the rules as they are." there'll be a lot more open in the future, which is why I think we'll see other manufacturers as well. I think we'll see Porsche. I think we'll see McLaren doing their own engine. And there's a very strong possibility that Alfa Romeo will come too, but we'll have to see exactly what happens. But I think we've seen that Mercedes is going to Formula E. Yeah, Porsche say they're going to Formula E. Renault are leaving Formula E, um, interestingly, giving it to Nissan. But basically there's, there are two kinds of arguments. One is that Formula E... Um, you know, stands up in its own. And the other one is that you do both. You do Formula One and Formula E and ultimately the two championships will probably merge together in about 10 years' time. Ah, I'm glad you said 10 years'
2: time because that is the figure I was saying to people for when (laughs) we might have a realistic chance of getting a competitive all-electric series. It's not going to happen as quickly as people think it is because right now... Probably not. Probably not. Obviously, battery tech is where it is. I don't think motorsport is moving battery tech forward. At the moment, there's big advan- uh, advances because motorsport is catching up to with what battery technology can do and increasing efficiencies. But there's going to get a point where they catch up and that's all there is. And they just have to wait for it
3: to march forward. Well, that's true up to a point. There are two things. One is the battery technology. Two is the what kind of batteries are being produced. I mean, how damaging are these batteries to the global uh ecosystem because it's all very well producing something that's that's as good as petrol. But if you're producing things that have to be buried at sea, you know, it's, it's not very good. The other thing is infrastructure. You've got to have the infrastructure to support um, the technology. So you've got to have basically charging stations uh, that will charge quickly or give you replacement batteries, whatever it is, if it's battery swapping it, there are lots of different options, but um you still need to have the um, infrastructure in place to do that, so I think we've got a long a lot further to go than people would like you to believe um certainly you know you, you might have places like California where you can cover the area and you can have the necessary infrastructures to do it, but I think that you know the world's bigger than that, so we have to we have to wait and see, and and that's why I think the two championships can happily go side by side for a number of years, um, and it may even go beyond ten years. But you know that's a good point at which everyone can assess what things are at. Yeah, and F one apparently,
2: according to Philip Allen, should limit battery physical volume or mass, not electrical capacity. Uh, unfortunately, as far as I can understand it, I mean that goes hand in hand. These new systems that they're bringing into Formula One cars add weight. And that's a, a big problem for a
3: single-seater race car series. Yeah, but that's exactly the point. You know, you, say, you can have as much battery as you like, um, but weight is the disadvantage. And Formula 1 is all about weight. Formula E cars have made up vast tons of weight. You know, It's one of the reasons they don't go up hills. Has anyone noticed, apart from <laughs> me, that no Formula E race goes anywhere near a hill? Do you know why that is? Because the whole things would explode if they tried to go up hills. They'd boil. Uh, they can't do it. So, you know, you've got all the Formula E races there are, and correct me if I'm wrong, but every single thing is done on the flat. Uh,
2: yes, I mean, I've heard this. I've heard that even the Monaco Hill was a problem for them in the early seasons. Uh, and uh, they, well, go, no, they, they go they to the right-hand went, side, they, don't they now?
3: So, yeah. They never went up the Monaco Hill. Well, uh, as in they probably wouldn't Probably the have biggest hill they yeah. have in the year would be when they were testing at Donington, I should think. Yeah. I can't think of any other hills I've seen anywhere in uh, in, uh in the Formula E calendar. I may be wrong, but I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, I'm, um, not, I'm not doing down Formula E at all. And as we
2: get into testing, do make sure you check out Downforce Radio's uh, Formula E show, e-radio show, which uh, I also will appear on from time to time, hosted by... Uh, matt trumpets and produced by chris rainbow sparkle stevens so make sure you go to downforce uk uh, to check that out ready for the next formula e season no i'm not doing formula e down at all i love the concept i love the drivers in there the personalities um the the racing is very different to formula one it's quite aggressive i love the way the drivers go for it um but you know when people say why doesn't formula e be a support race for formula one for example well because huh. it would look silly <laughs> It would look, they're just too slow. That's just where we are. That that doesn't mean you throw they, the baby out are, with the bathwater. They are water. the
3: same pace of Formula 4 cars. Now, the difference is that their TV coverage makes them look faster, which yes. is clever. Yeah, no, no. And, and they
2: should do. I, what gives it away is on the street circuits is how they react to the bumps. Uh, and that's what visually gives away the pace, I think. Uh, but like I say, I'll sit and watch every Formula E race. I, I'm
3: fascinated to see where it goes. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think they do have some very, very good drivers. And and the top drivers in Formula E are now being paid decent money too. Um, Quite remarkable how much money some of them are getting. Um, But one has to bear in mind that it's still very basic at the beginning of the development curve. The manufacturers are all in there because, to be quite honest, right now it's cheap as chips. They can take all their customers there, have a party Watch a few races that appear to be green and may or may not be, depending on how you judge it. Um, When it gets a bit tougher and the prices start going up, the cost starts going up, which will happen as manufacturers altogether will drive the cost upwards very quickly. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes um, in the future. But I don't think Formula One has to worry anything about Formula E in the long, in the short term, and mid-term even. And the other thing is, of course, they're owned by the same people, so
2: and I'm definitely going to absolutely muller this name, but uh, Abhijit Gaiha says, even with TV tricks, it looks really slow. All I say is, if you do get an opportunity to go out a- and see a Formula E race, I think you'll be surprised in real life. Even without the screaming engines, a herd of Formula E racing cars coming towards you down a straight is still a spectacle. And when they make contact, like they did in Battersea, the season before last, in that championship decider, it's still a spectacular thing to go and watch. If you get the chance to go and see it and judge with your own eyes, uh, I I recommend you do so. Uh, Back to Formula One drivers, if you don't mind, though, Joe. Feel free.
3: Yeah, I have actually seen it live, and I'm not sure I'd be that ecstatic about it. But there you go, moving swiftly on. (laughs) Oh, okay.
2: So, well, who do you trust? Joe Saywood, internationally recognized F1 journalist, or (laughs) Richard Spanner's ready? I have a shed. I have a shed, you know. Okay. So, moving on to the drivers. You know, this question is coming. It's something we talk about nearly every time you're here, but people are just fascinated with the politics behind uh, Williams. And Funnel Racing is asking after the traditional massive retirement. Firstly, what do you think the reaction to him in Brazil will be after last year? There's a certain amount of awkwardness to it. And were you there involved in what was going on actually last year? Was it as emotional and spectacular as it seemed on the TV?
3: Uh, it was quite, a, I was there and it was, it was fairly emotional. I mean, Felipe's a much-loved figure. You know, it, Felipe Massa will always be a champion in the eyes of many people for what happened in 2008 um, uh, because it's, you know, he, he won the championship and he, and, but for one corner, two corners, um, he was world champion, but he took it so well and he did it, you know, he did it properly and, and people respect that and people remember Felipe for that. And so, yes, there'll be, there'll be a lot of emotion there this year. Um, uh, to some extent, you know, we went through it all last year and then he came back again, uh, which you know, I'm sure he was delighted to do, but he didn't intend to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think there's going to be a demand over the over the winter time. You know, unless unless we have some sort of wild shake up, which I can't really see it happening. Um, I can't see him coming back again this time. So I think this is definite now. Whether it's quite as yeah, you know, whether whether he's going to be weeping down the paddock, you know, w- wrapped in a flag this year is another story. But I bet he does. Uh, well, I hope not. I hope he actually finishes the race so we don't have to put up with it. Oh, that. yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that was. That, he's had plenty of farewell wishes. So, you know, I don't see any any great changes. I mean, if I were Williams, what, what would you do if you're Williams? You could try and get Valtteri back, I suppose, but, you know, he's not going to go, is he? Um, unless forced. Robert Kubica we still don't know enough because everyone's being very secretive and if they're being secretive why are they being secretive the answer is Renault didn't take him therefore what's wrong with him uh, Paul De the, the Paul De is fine but he hasn't raced a car apart from one race where it was hard to tell he well, how he, have did chance, he did he? he started last and he had no chance at all and let's face it he had his go in Formula 1 back in the days before the hybrid engines and he had three years and and you know, the world passed him by. So uh, then we have the younger ones, Pascal Verlaine, who I think is very good. Um, and he's had, got some problems and he's had a few setbacks, but he's a decent choice. Um, but then you have to ask the question also, do Williams need the money? And I think the truth is that Williams need money. So if, if Kubica comes along with a pile of money from Polish supermarkets or whoever he's supposed to have behind him, uh, or or Danny Kviat comes along with a bunch of russian money i think williams need to certainly look at taking it but the trouble is if you take money from two drivers because obviously they're taking money from the stroll who do you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Obviously, they're taking money from Stroll. Um, you have to look at what that effect that has on the team. So that they have to say to themselves, what are we doing here? Are we trying to win championships? Are we trying to survive? Are we trying to get better? Are we trying to move up and make the cycle different to the cycle we're in at the moment? The answer is, of course, they are. They want to win. They want to be successful. But the question is, you can't be successful and, and move forward unless you have the money to do it. How you get the money to do it is another question. Now, if Stroll happens to be a genius as well as the son of a billionaire, well that would be very helpful.
2: <laughs> How about um, you know, some more right field options.
3: Jensen Button, Danny Kviat. Well, Jensen Button is retired and should remain so. Because he didn't want to come back from Monaco this year. That's just an all a bunch of old tosh really. Uh, he, he was he had to be sort of ordered into the car by McLaren. He, he wanted to get, he wanted to finish at the end of last year. All that stuff about sabbatical was just Wrapped up in more. B- uh, sorry, forty-five
2: um, twenty-nine. Beep, <laughs> beep. That's all
3: right. I am getting used to it now, Joe. It's it feels like part of my world. <laughs> I am sorry, I am just using paddock talk. But the fact is that it was Tosh. Is that acceptable?
2: Yeah, just about, just tosh. about, Joe. We can squeeze Tosh under under the barrier. I am quite surprised to hear that it was quite as shotgun as you are making out. It was just a contractual
3: obligation. It was a contractual obligation. It basically. Yeah, as I said before, when drivers get to a certain age, they don't want to do it anymore. I think when Jensen sort of got into his head that he had to do it, then he got excited about it. But I don't think he was excited about the idea of doing it at all. He was happy to retire, to mm-hmm. often do triathlons and hang out with his latest lady friend in California. You know, Easy that's on the eye, yeah. I Apparently would too. so, yes. And he has a little
2: dog there too. I, hate, I, I, I don't like dog people, Joe. Have you got a dog? No. Not nowadays, no. They just wander around with their little bags, and they think it's okay. It's not okay that they do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you to do that one. Yeah. <laughs> Emails to josewood at gmail.com, as always. Uh, right, okay. So uh,
3: have we have we dismissed Kviat? No, we haven't. If he's got if he's got the uh, the money behind him, he is quick. He just he just isn't awfully controlled. So yeah, but what about you know Grosjean was like that, Hamilton was like that,
2: and he's still a young man. Yes, he is, but he's got to have lots of luck to to come back from that. So, Do you think that's a problem now? We are bringing in increasingly younger and younger drivers, and we haven't got the same cool heads that we had in the, the noughties or the nineties.
3: Well, I think there's this sort of mad idea. Well, you no, know, it's not a mad idea. It's a, it's a true idea that people age 19 drive faster than people age 25. <laughs> yes. That is, that is fundamentally true because youngsters are nuttier. That's why. Most of the soldiers in the front line are 19 years old. I believe that's the case. So I think that when you bring kids in very young and you destroy their dreams, I was actually looking through um, some of the Formula One rejects in the last couple of days, and I was shocked by how young they all are. I mean, you look at Jean-Eric Verne. and, and De Costa, etc. Yes, all these people, you just think, "Wow, he's still that young," and you think, "Well." wow, you know, he never really had the chance. Um, but that's down to money and the fact that Red Bull can just throw money and they basically just, you know, it's a big mincing machine for young drivers. Um, it's just, you know, they, they throw them all in and the best one, for whatever reason, comes out ahead. Speaking
2: of young drivers who've been thrown in, I mean, McLaren have now named Lando Norris as their official reserve driver.
3: What about a, a loan to Williams? Uh, I think he might be a little bit young for that. He's also managed by Zach Brown, I think, so that might have something to do with it. I see. I see. I see. Okay, so
2: uh, just to finish off and to wrap up then, I mean, uh, Paul Wright is wondering if there's any word on the street uh, if any of the teams are particularly far forward or behind on next year's car. In the paddock, you must get a little bit of an idea of who's kind of given up developing for the season, who is still concentrating on this year's race and who is able to do both.
3: I don't think there's anybody clawing for the last championship point, really, in in serious terms, uh, who can overtake who. I'd have to look at the actual list, but maybe Sauber have done some work recently, but they need to be concentrating on next year's cars. Everybody should be on to next year. Some of them have been on next year since March, you you know. It's as simple as that, you know, because there is more potential. Once you know the state of your car, you can pretty much guess where you're going to be at the end of the year. So Force India, for example, now they're sure of the position they're in fourth place. There's no point in spending any more money developing the car. So they've stopped. Going back a step, uh, Mr. Bonds in the chat room is
2: saying the youngsters have more karting and race game experience. See, I think it's all about the video games. And and once I get Joe to play Mario Kart Eight with me on my new Nintendo Switch at Christmas, uh, maybe I'll bring it to his London live event. We'll set up a big screen. It will be ace. And if you could see Joe's face now, you'd see that he probably doesn't agree with that.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably not. No, I'm I I. I... I'm baffled by the whole concept of of virtual racing. So what's the point of racing if you can't kill yourself? Yeah, And there's a a lot of people in motorsport who would agree with you. Joe, clearly
2: your grandchildren have sucked a lot of your energy. And uh, we need you... Grandchildren, you mean? Grandchild. (laughs) Grandchild, sorry. We we need to have you refreshed and ready to be able to report on uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix. Of course, you get a race magazine out very,
3: very quickly after the race called GP Plus Magazine. Indeed. Great Grand Prix plus, but I wouldn't buy it right now, folks, because we're coming to, we have a strange subscription system whereby we do it by the calendar year. So you're coming to the end, unless you want to buy all this year's magazines, don't subscribe now, but subscribe in a few weeks time. You'll get the whole of next year. You see? Uh-huh. So, um, that's how it works, but you can do, it. you can subscribe now if you want, but you will, um, you will only get the ones from this year because on December 31, um, they will disappear. So you also have a super secret um,
2: newsletter, which I assume is is being posted to Miss Apex Central at any moment.
3: <laughs> it's, a, it's a super secret newsletter which goes to the industry. If you want to buy it, you can click on my face and look up secret business newsletter or whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> click on the face on the blog, Joe Blogs F1. You click on the face. Actually, let me do it. And I can just make sure I'm not telling you bunch to lies here. Um, you go to the blog and you click on the face of Mr. Sayward, who's there on, the, on, there on the right-hand side. You click on that, and it goes to a thing saying, Hello, I'm Joe Sayward. And then it says, JSBM Inside a Newsletter. And if you click on that, you can find all about the business of motorsport, which is actually a, uh, it's an industry thing, but super fans can buy it too. And that tells you all kinds of stuff. It's not just Formula One. It's everything. Okay, so obviously… So I, I, know, I know all about NASCAR as well, would you believe, in my spare time. What's a NASCAR? No, I don't understand such things. It's a sort of taxi thing without the light on the top. So, <laughs> so they are
2: jolly fast. So, Joe, obviously you've got loads of insight into Formula One. You live and breathe it. It, it is your, your vocation. It is your life. So how do you rank where you tease out, where you give away this information? So the, here's the podcast at the bottom of the pillar of of things you, you give away and you save all the rest and you give a little bit more away, would you say in GP magazine and then uh, perhaps the newsletter, then your live events. Mm, no. Is that, is that your order? No, they,
3: they, no, no, they're different. They're different products. Uh, Grand Prix plus is all about a race weekend. It's all about uh, race reporting. And so you have, basically it's a completely different product. It's not news. it It's, it's what happened in the race weekend and it has features and it has historical features as well. It's a very good read. You get a lot of you get a lot of value for your money. Uh, but if you're looking for cutting cutting edge news, you don't necessarily get it. If you want cutting edge news, you can go to the blog. Or and if you want super super news, it's way ahead of the game, often several weeks ahead of things coming out in public. And you get the you get the secret newsletter. And then uh, your live events, that's just more where you can, it, it depends how much booze we buy. Well, then you, can, then, then, you can, then you can find out what's really going on and what people are really like, because I can say things and they can't hear them.
2: Excellent. It all sounds really appealing. Joe, we really, really appreciate you coming on and speaking to us in the shed, especially when you've got such a hectic international schedule. So we, we hope that we can, we've done enough to kind of secure you to come back on further occasions, Joe,
3: if you're not hating it too much. I'm sure I can somehow manage, but uh, it, I think we'll probably have to wait for about ten days before the next one. So, because I have to come back again, I come back to Europe and then I have to go off to Abu Dhabi after that. So, oh, you poor thing! You know how how we all feel for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there you are. I'm of course I'm travelling in first class in all directions. So. You know, I'm paying for it all myself. That's the uh, the ultimate skill. So, oh no, but but guys, they're not fantastically wealthy. You know,
2: please shed a tear for these poor, hard up journalists. Uh, no, Joe, you must realise you have the envy of us all.
3: Envy is one
2: thing; bank account is the other. <laughs> guys, I hope you enjoy Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. Make sure you join us, the Missed Apex crew. We will be doing a Brazilian race review at eight pm GMT on Sunday. Please come and join us. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1. He's doing it! It's happened! It happened. You have to watch the video now, even though the video is sweary, because we can't beep all the video. (laughs) No, you can. You can, probably. Very good. There we are. <laughs> Joe, thank you very, very much. Go and rest, recover, recuperate.
3: I shall do exactly that, and then I'll get in the plane and ruin it all.